This episode's reading contains some spoilers, so if you'd like to avoid those, you can skip ahead about 11 and a half minutes from the start of the reading. Also, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Hilary B. Bisnitz. Listeners, I'm super excited to introduce this October of 2021, the month of Oceana on Tales from the Trunk, with none other than Rem Wigmore. Rem, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I, I literally did not plan... To just have an Oceana month, but it worked out well. Our uh, our second guest this month is, of course, Freya Marsk, whose uh, brand new novel is coming out in very soon. I'll have to listen to uh, that one. I'm really excited yeah. for that book. Uh, we we just recorded that like three days ago, and uh, you know, listeners, you're in for a treat. <laughs> uh, but you're also in for a treat. Right now, because, uh, Rem, you're here to talk to us about your new book, Fox Hunt. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, so Fox Hunt is a queer solo punk novel that uh, just came out from Queen of Swords Press, and I'm uh, very excited about it, very proud of it. Yeah, we love this for you. I mean, like, <laughs> e- every single piece of that, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's my jam, that's my shit entirely. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, so is there anything that you need us to know before we get into the excerpt? Uh, I will, I will give some brief background of the excerpt, I guess, uh, because I was choosing my reading for this, uh, and I was like, okay, I need, I need something about this length, right, right, right. And I'm going to be like, actually like, not cheeky exactly, but I'm going to be just a little (laughs) cheeky. It's from like a little bit further into the book than, uh, where I've normally Mm -hmm. been doing readings. Uh, so there's going to be some spoilers, spoilers ahead. Beware of spoilers. Stop listening now. If you don't want to, I don't know if you want to find out the terrible things Orpheus gets up to more organically. Uh, it's, uh, it's in a bit, a bit later. Um, so like the book kind of starts off right with like Orpheus, who's this traveling singer person. Uh, she gets Mm -hmm. like, attacked by uh, a member of the Order of the Vengeful Wild, who are these basically, like, bounty hunter, eco-terrorist, like, socially condoned vigilantes, right? Who, like... Very cool. Yeah, they, like, come after the energy criminals and, like, the resource hoarders and anyone who wants to make this brighter solarpunk future not be nice and good for everybody. (laughs) So Orpheus spends, like, a solid chunk of the book just, like, why did this happen to me? Because she didn't do anything like that. So she's just, like been running and like hiding and like asking for help from people and at this point in the book that i'm going to read from she's just sick of running and uh uh take some actions of her own fantastic all right well uh listeners i will have at this point dropped in a pre-roll to tell you when to skip to if you would like to (laughs) miss all the spoilers and somehow got this far without uh being like, oh yeah, I should skip ahead now. So, whenever you're ready. Okay. 
That is very considerate. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> they arrived at Tinctora a little after nightfall. Walking home felt like walking into a bear trap, and even passing <laughs> through the fringes of forest that ringed the township of Tinctora, Orpheus kept glancing over her shoulder. Surely it had been enough time for the order to have picked up her tracks. No one seemed to be following. Orpheus realized her mistake as soon as she stepped into the center of town and smelled the thick, roiling scent of some type of gas. If the elders mm. knew her well enough to know her far-flung contacts and family history, the order was at least smart enough to figure out what she valued most. She had counted on them coming after her, not her home. Threadgall was in danger now, and Linden, and God's Primrose. Mm. Orpheus, Rebosoa said, is something wrong? There, across the street, a hulking shadow with the pricked ears of a wolf. Get to safety, Orpheus said urgently, turning to Rebosoa. Rebosoa was tall, maybe strong, certainly strong in the blood. Orpheus didn't trust her an inch, but she was at least pretending to be an ally, and Orpheus would use what she had. She corrected her previous statement to get people to safety. She mistrusted that whiff of gas on the air, which didn't seem the wolf's style. Rivasoa's brows arched, but after a moment she nodded a fraction. It was enough. Orpheus turned and stepped in front of her to draw the wolf's attention, but their attention was fixed on her anyway. They strode forward to her across the square, like iron drawn to a magnet. But not like they were in any hurry. All right. Orpheus knew how to deal with arrogant people. <laughs> Evening, wolf, she called. She was aware of Rivasoa moving away from her and kept her eyes fixed on the wolf, who didn't seem to notice the other woman. Are you a she or a he today? Fwail looked startled, like her unexpected knowledge had slipped past their armor like no blade could. He, mm. he said. Then he shook his head, hunkering his shoulders. I'm not here for conversation, he growled. I think you'll find, Orpheus said, that he was already coming at her with a sharp light blade drawn. Fast and intent, this time he didn't look like he was going for just a blow to the head. Deadly force, Orpheus said, realizing, and she turned and ran like hell, cloak billowing behind her. In the worst case scenario, the fabric might turn a blade, maybe. People didn't normally come after her with knives. <laughs> Mostly, she had to get him away from other people. The hub was right there, lights off for the night, the sides of the building ridged with fins and ledges. Orpheus sprang at it and started clambering up, breathing hard, cramming her boots into any toeholds she could find, and tearing her fingernails on the metal in her haste. She heard a grunt from behind her, which sounded more like exasperation than exertion. Foyle could probably scale this wall with ease. She had to move fast. Scrambling, adrenaline rushing through her veins, Orpheus wrapped her hands at last around the lip of the roof and hauled herself up. Her arms burned, and she lay there for a moment to pant. The wolf appeared over the edge a moment later, animal masked and grim as a spectre. Orpheus swore under her breath and rolled away and stood, stumbling over her cloak in her hurry. Wait, she said urgently, but evidently he had meant it when he said he wasn't in the mood for conversation. He held out his arm, and his shining claws sprang out from what looked like some type of gauntlet. Sharp light, yes. Oh, very sharp. He dived at her, and she dove out of the way of the glinting claws, right into his other hand, which fisted in her cloak. Orpheus fumbled out her taser and shoved it at him. The electricity fizzed off his armor, but it did pass into flesh. He went rigid. 
The jolt didn't drop him like it would someone without augments, but for a moment he was frozen. Beyond the eye holes in his mask, she saw his eyes were wide with pain. Brown eyes, of course. That wasn't surprising. There was no proper reason why she hesitated and stared at him for far too long. Long enough, he grimaced and shook off the effects. He reached out his hand, nearly catching her, and she came to her senses and vaulted away. Orpheus dropped the taser and pulled out the device she'd got at the market in Far Flung. The thin rectangle of transparent plastiglass called a portable hub, or porter. She swiped it at hastily and symbols and letters came up. She swiped it again and it beeped an affirmative red. And then Froyle caught her and wrapped his unclawed hand around her throat and started choking her. Orpheus fluttered. Wait, she said. Stop. She clawed at his wrist. Her hand seemed to have no strength at all. The wolf stared at her, eyes fixed on her mercilessly as he tightened his grip around her windpipe, nearly lifting her up with the hold. She choked, seeing his eyes didn't help. She could not bring the breath to her tongue to speak, but she could still move. With a frantic flare of her fingers, she signed energy, and with that kick of adrenaline, she slapped her other hand over his back and sent out a jolt of sparks. They passed through him and into her, rattling her teeth. He didn't release her, but his hold loosened for a moment. Stop, Orpheus grated. It felt like speaking with a throat full of glass. Your contract is cancelled. Look. He shifted his grip, no longer tight enough to choke, but nothing she could escape from. His eyes bored into her, but he lifted his other hand, claws retracting back into his gauntlet. He tapped at one ear. Through the strands of his black hair, she saw he wore a silver earring, shaped like a fang. Whatever he saw or heard made him blink. He stared at her like she had grown another head. You can let go now, Orpheus said helpfully. <laughs> he shook his head. How did you... He shook his head again, staring. She wondered if it actually forgotten he was in the middle of choking her to death. <laughs> his voice was quick, gruff, businesslike. You cancelled the contract. How? I'm your client, Orpheus said. Hmm. We don't have clients, Foyle said automatically. His fingers flexed against her throat. What? I hired you to kill me, Orpheus said, a little out of breath. She felt at her throat and winced. He stared at her incredulously, and she frowned back. I do realize now that non-lethal means might have been wiser. I was in a hurry. <sighs> you... The wolf's head tilted back. He gazed up at the night sky and closed his eyes. He breathed out and breathed in. She felt he could have picked a better time for breathing exercises. He looked back at her. All right he said. Fine, singer. Why? Are you mocking me? No, Orpheus said. You'd know if I was mocking you. Trust <laughs> me on that. The silvery wolf mask covered the upper part of his face, but from how his mouth drew down, she could tell he was frowning, like he wasn't sure whether she was mocking him this very moment. <laughs> Orpheus gently slid her fingers under his and pried them away. After a moment, he let her, withdrawing his hand from her throat, she drew in a huge breath, then coughed and drew in another. He took a step back. Orpheus, sufficiently recovered, blinded him with a grin. You're here for conversation, she said. He let out a groan. Orpheus laughed. Adrenaline still sang through her, and her starveling brain greedily drank in oxygen. She gestured expansively and started to pace. Everyone kept saying that the Order of the Vengeful Wild never shared details of who contracts them. All right, fine. So I went to the source. She pointed squarely at his chest and got some enjoyment from how his shoulders tensed, like he expected <laughs> an attack. 
Freyl didn't seem to be the sharpest. This was what she'd been living in fear of? Which is to say, you. Who hired you? Freyl answered calmly, as though he hadn't been trying to kill her a minute before. I don't know, he said simply. She narrowed her eyes, and he rolled one shoulder in a shrug. I am the wolf, and go where I'm sent. You would have to ask the leader of the wild. My leader, Luca. Disappointing, but at least it was something. She memorized the name like she'd carved it into her brain with a glowing poker. Luca. So that was who she had to get answers from. Orpheus had given her name when she took out this contract, so whoever was after her must have given a name too, or at least something. Fuel whipped his head around, staring. A moment later, Orpheus heard it too. A soft purr, the same sound his hoverbike had made, coming from a little to the side of town, but getting louder fast. Someone else is here? Orpheus said, questioningly. Fuel shook his head. We're not the only ones with bikes, he said, but he frowned in the direction of the noise. If you don't know the client, can you at least tell me if they took the contract out again, Orpheus said, and that was enough to draw his attention away from the noise. No one tried to renew the contract after my initial failure, he said, very quietly. His gaze dropped. Oh, I weep for you, I really do, she snapped. <laughs> Terribly sorry that you didn't succeed in killing me. I know it wasn't a kill contract, she said, as he opened his mouth to speak. If you're not out to kill someone, don't hit them on the head. Something shot past Orpheus, bolts of brilliant blue light. She twitched back, but Foyal took a full step away, shoulders tensing. Whatever that was, it had been dangerous. You're sure no one renewed it, Orpheus said urgently. Answers were important and all, but right now she had to make sure these people didn't hurt anything she cared about. Yes, Foyal said at once. Or, he touched his fang-earing communicator, frowning at whatever he heard or didn't hear. I... No one told me. I thought the wolf was meant to be the best of you, Orpheus bit out, and he turned to frown at her. Then he leaped away, rolling out of range fast. The blinding blue lights arced by again and hit her in the arm. It only tingled, painless, but when she tried to move her arm, she couldn't. She had to hope it was only temporary. Had to get out of her position silhouetted in plain sight before she was hit full on. She took a step, and then something slammed into her, and she hit the ground, breathing hard. Orpheus turned, able to turn, able to move. The burst of blue had missed her, and it shouldn't have. Fuel got off her, but stayed hunched low, his eyes gleaming in the darkness. We have to get out of sight, he said. She stared at him. I'm not going anywhere with you. <laughs> I'm going to get you to safety, he said impatiently. You're no longer a contract. His teeth showed briefly, in what could have been a snarl or a grin. Or no one has told me otherwise. So you're an innocent bystander and must be protected. He trailed off and put a finger to the shining tooth earring, cocked his head, listening. Orpheus rolled away from him and hunched to her feet and ran, heart pounding. Two hunters after her now. This had been a bad plan. He didn't call after her. Climbing down from the roof was a quick, mad scramble, her one working hand scrabbling at the wall as she nearly slid down. She hit the ground hard and fell on her hands and knees for a moment then pushed herself up, tucking her numb arm to her side, and ran blindly. She had only contracted the wolf. Had this leader sent more to finish the job? But she'd cancelled it. How many people could possibly be after her head? Ooh. Oh, that <laughs> was just delightful. That's one of my favourite scenes. It's It was one of the first ones I thought of, I think, when I was like brainstorming Orpheus as a character, and it was just like, oh boy. <laughs> 
Oh, that was just, like... You know, one of the, uh, like, tropes I really like in, like, action media in Mm. general is, you know, action plus banter. Yeah! (laughs) And that just just kept on hitting it so perfectly. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad. That's one of my favorite things as well. I love me some banter, love me some action. Absolutely. And it also, um, it, it had what felt like to me a very sort of uh a very sort of kiwi sensibility to it <laughs> very likely yes <laughs> like there there was always a little bit of like taking the piss in it yeah that, yeah <laughs> you know i i've i've spent very little time in new zealand but all the time that i was there uh i you know got this this sense of like friendly and joking and and like with you know a friendly edge to it yeah yeah oh i'm I'm very glad to be a part of that tradition then <laughs> yeah so you know there is there's so much to love in that already mm-hmm. and what i'd love to know right now is what was one of your favorite parts that you had to end up cutting out of what? that book yeah so i didn't we didn't actually have to end up cutting all that much when we were editing. Most of um, often what I have to do when editing is, is more adding stuff in. Like I forget mm. to like put the stuff that I thought was in the book into the book oh, sometimes. Mood. Like, yeah, you know, like have to like go like, oh, we need to have a scene here where she says this and we need to have like stuff like that and like strengthening some character motivations and stuff. One thing I would have liked to touch on that just there isn't quite room for in the book, but that like... Mm-hmm. One of the things that's just hinted at is uh, the backstory of of some of the um, main uh, initially antagonistic characters, uh, which is like that leader figure who we get a glimpse of here, uh, Luca, and like his right hand, and another character who mm-hmm. I won't mention because it's it's big spoilers. But I really wanted, <laughs> I, I really at some point want to explore just like the shit that they were up to like twenty thirty mm. years ago, and like almost like this previous generation of like this this very dangerous group and how they got into the situations they're in and how how the order of the wild got into like the current uh got the current vibes it has basically basically Mm -hmm. like how that uh previous leadership uh was begun because like it's a thing i have bits of in my head but i haven't got around to writing yet so i want to do that as a short story or or something at some point but i have this one line in it that's like uh one of the like two lines that I know would be in this short story. Uh, and it's just like one character saying to this Luca guy, uh, I will make you a god. And then Luca's narration being like, they were making him a monster, but he wouldn't complain. <sighs> yeah, no, that's my shit. Yeah, I want to write that. <laughs> it would be very and sad. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is like, you know, it's sometimes difficult because there's like all this world building that you want to put in and like sometimes you have to realize like oh this is this doesn't actually serve anything except making me happy yeah (laughs) always try to cram in as much of the fun stuff as i can but like there's always just a little bit more that like you kind of just have to leave under the surface and hope that people will like glimpse the shape of it i guess yeah well the good news is you're a writer, and you're alive, and you can create more of that. That's extremely true. That is always encouraging. Um, so now that we know 
uh, one of your favorite bits that you had to leave out. And I know that we've already sort of touched on one of your favorite bits because <laughs> it was that excerpt. Yeah. But uh, without giving too much more away, do you have a favorite piece that you're just so glad you got to keep in this final draft? Yes. Uh, so, and again, without... Uh, I guess without going too much into spoilers, but I feel like this particular, like, aspect of one of the main dynamics is, like, fairly obvious if you're familiar with my work or personality at all. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a scene that I had in my head that never quite made it into the book. And then when I was doing, like, the final draft before I wanted to send it to, like, uh, Queen of Swords Press, uh, who's now my publisher, to, like, hope that they would become my publisher, which worked. Mm -hmm. Fun publishing hack. You send your manuscript to publications or agents, and then they, they publish it. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've cracked this whole system wide open. <laughs> I figured, like, partly because one uh, one of my beta readers had, like, said that they wanted, like, a little bit more about, like, this one dynamic, and partly because I was, like, bringing out some more of the, um, some more of the, like, ugh, tensions and, like, scenes within this later part of the book. Mm-hmm. And partly because I'm gay, I really uh, wanted... <laughs> to have the scene that had been in my head and then I finally like put it into the book and it's like yes this this did need to be in in here and it's a scene where Orpheus uh is kind of uh among enemies I will say and uh mm-hmm. is walking and then stops and eavesdrops and she hears Froyland the wolf who we saw who uh starts off the whole book by like <laughs> coming after her and and then uh as we see in that scene gets exasperated with her very quickly and mm-hmm. I love them both so much. Uh, she she overhears uh, Froyland listening to like a recording of one of her songs, mm-hmm. uh, and then punching the wall. And Orpheus just stands there and goes, "Oh, so he knows to to keep his enemies close too." And it's just this moment of like, she's a very clever woman, and it's not like she doesn't have very high self esteem. She does. She's arrogant as hell. But it's just like this moment of her not seeing this thing that like maybe is obvious to readers, but definitely is obvious to me. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you are completely misinterpreting this like this whole thing. And it's just it's so fun. It's one of my favorite scenes. I'm oh, really glad I got to delightful. put it in. Yeah, <laughs> I love to make them uh, both I... suffer. <laughs> I also love that your main character is named Orpheus, uh, you know, this has been, like, Jesus, it's been almost a full year now since, or maybe maybe longer at this point since Hades came out, I... but every time I think of, of Orpheus, I think of the, like, sad boy, <laughs> uh, just wonderful sad boy, uh, you know, Orpheus from mythology. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's nice to get uh you know, obviously not an interpretation of that Orpheus, but some callbacks of like Orpheus is, you know, kind of a sad boy, but also like a renowned musician. And yeah. to have her like hearing this guy hearing one of her songs. Yeah. It's it's delightful. It's great, yeah. So Orpheus, Orpheus spells her name with an F, so it's it's slightly different. <laughs> there's uh, mm-hmm. there's another fun line I like, um, sort of early on, where like one of the other characters is like sassing at her because like it's eight hundred years from now, right? Like mm-hmm. the stories that have survived are in a slightly different shape, like not quite familiar to us as we are now. Like, mm-hmm. um, and like this other character is like, do you even know your namesake story? And Orpheus is like. 
he went into the underworld and the other characters like and Orpheus is like presumably he came back up like (laughs) (laughs) it's really fun that is that is great um and it's really like it's it feels it's not a place that I've played in before but it feels really like it would be just such a blast to play in a space where it's like sort of it is kind of far future if we're just thinking about human lifetimes yeah but it's close enough that you can still like conceive like oh yeah this you know these stories survive for 2,000 years, they could survive for another 1,000 years. Like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, like, so fascinating to look at. And, like, this isn't, like, a big thing in the book, necessarily, but it is, like, I, th- I think a thing that's, like, reflected on a little and, like, talked about a bit is, like, what stories survive and who, like, guards those stories, right? And who has access to them. Mm-hmm. Like, the elders have, like, this whole, like, library of the knowledge they thought was worth keeping, and Orpheus is just, like, metaphorically battering at the walls trying to get like little bits of law out so she can like put them into good songs and shit you know mm-hmm. and it's very much like she has this awareness of the world that came before like our world which is like much more present than like some of the other characters in the cast who are just used to how things are she like knows mm-hmm. how things were and like knows what was lost and what had to be lost to get to the mm-hmm. the um the slightly more balanced although not perfect uh world of <laughs> uh of the setting and that was really, really fun. And I just love writing bards. Yeah. That is, I mean, we love a good bard. We do. Like, in in all forms. Yeah. And uh, this book is, has, like, immediately jumped to the top of my TBR. Aww. So. I'm really glad. Uh, I hope you like it. Yeah. I'm, I am certain that I will. Uh. Before we get going, is there anything that you've been consuming media-wise that you're really excited about telling other people about? Ooh. Ooh, I hadn't thought about this. <laughs> I oh, like I to spring that. at least one unexpected question on everybody. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You get our sincere responses of, uh man at the moment i've been um i've been really binging the realm of the elderlings by robin hobb because uh there's that mm. character in it the fool who i just love so utterly mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm looking at my shelves for inspiration <laughs> uh at, at this exact moment i'm reading uh these violent delights uh by chloe gong who was a new zealand author and it's this uh like kind of retelling of it's this like ya retelling of romeo and juliet but like set in 1920s mm-hmm. shanghai and it's it's a lot of fun uh and i just finished uh reading butcher bird by cassie oh, hart fantastic. which yeah 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 you know what? yeah like it's it's this fantastic supernatural suspense like uh rural like family uh spooky times <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> novel uh which uh is lingering with me that's awesome uh so one last thing before we go uh can you tell our listeners a little bit about river witch oh yeah absolutely uh so river witch uh is uh my novella that came out last year uh and it's part of the witchy fiction project uh, which was where a bunch of like uh, New Zealand authors, like during lockdown last year, were like, mm-hmm. "Okay, we need <laughs> we need an antidote to these trying times." Uh, we set out to like write a bunch of like novellas, like 
cozy witchy fiction novels like set in mm. like in various New Zealand locations just like these cozy like witchy contemporary fantasies with like a dash of romance uh and River Witch is my one and it is set in the Waikato uh in Hamilton where I grew up and it mm-hmm. is about uh it's got this like determined young witch uh Ash who uh sees that something is wrong with the Waikato River and uh tries to get to the bottom of it and it's accidentally because sometimes you just I'm in conversation with yourself and the same themes a lot and don't think about it. Uh, it, it covers mm-hmm. kind of some of the same themes as Fox Hunt and my other like climate fiction work does, which is like these very environmentalist themes and these, these uh, themes of like working like together to sort of value the land that we're in and like acknowledging mm-hmm. ourselves as like part of the natural environment and uh, in interaction with it. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fun little book. So you could check it out if you want like some something fluffy, and then you can check out Fox Hunt if you want something tender and brutal. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listeners, if you've enjoyed the excerpt today, I really recommend that you purchase both of these fine books wherever <laughs> you buy books, uh, preferably an independent bookstore. Yeah. But or request them from your library. Yeah. Uh, and. Finally, where can our listeners find you, Rem? Right, uh, so you can find me on Twitter as at FayWriter. Uh, tweet a bunch of bunch of uh, book-related stuff and then also just other random shit. Uh, and you can find <laughs> me uh, on my, my shiny new author website uh, at remwigmore.com. Uh, and the best, place to buy, the best place to buy Fox Hunt is direct from the publisher at Queen of Swords Press, uh, but also, you know, uh, indie bookstores and, and wherever fine books are sold. Excellent. Uh, links, as always, will be in the show notes, listeners, so uh, I recommend you go and find those. Rem, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Ryan Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Reject.